It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner, joined by Chad Brendel of BearcatJournal.com and Rick Roaring from MusketeerReport.com. Welcome into another edition of the Skinny Podcast, the college basketball edition presented by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports columnist and editor, along with Chad Brendel from Bearcat Journal and Rick Roaring of Musketeer Report. Um, I'm not sure I've seen four Elite Eight games. We may not see it in our lifetime as good as the four Elite Eight games we saw this weekend. I they're, mean, they're they, they were phenomenal. I, I am not much of one for hyperbole in situations like that. Because close sometimes doesn't mean great. But right. in this case, I thought There close was shot means, making. Yes. There was defense. Yes. There was guys stepping up. Like, I, I, I'm not, I, I don't jump off the, the, the mountaintop of best ever this or best ever that very frequently. I'm not going to say it was the best ever. But I will say that is probably – I don't know that there's ever been another one, like, superior in terms of four Elite Eight games. Every one of them was edge of your seat. What's going to happen next? Big play after big play down the stretch. I think you hit the, the nail on the head, Skinny. The big thing was it wasn't just that it was close games or overtimes games. It was that guys were making plays and both teams were – like, no one played terribly. You know, no one, like, it wasn't ugly basketball. Even the teams that you expected to play ugly weren't ugly. They made shots and made plays and got it going. And the co- I thought all the coach- coaching staffs did a really good job. I thought we saw some good chess matches in all of the games. Yeah, I, you know, the, the fact of, of even the Gonzaga game, if, if the kid doesn't reach across the end line, I mean, that, that could have come down to one, one more shot, one more made yeah, free throw, and, whatever. And I think that was just, like, split-second instinct. Yeah, the, guys, uh, yeah. the guy showed the ball. And it, like his brain, hand-eye coordination was just like to reach out and and get it, and he missed, and he got the guy's wrist. Like it just it, the play, the, the the level of play was just awesome to watch. Yeah. All right. Well, it, it felt like this whole year this was Dukes to lose, and if it wasn't Dukes, at times boy Kentucky had ascended, and at times North Carolina had ascended, and we always felt like Virginia was the outlier just because of their past tournament history, all of those things. Um, and yet here we are with a, with a, with Michigan State and Texas Tech and Virginia and, and Auburn and and for the most part the the teams with some of that superior lottery pick talent is not, are, are not around. Is this every year it feels like we try to do this and pin, pigeonhole it and maybe I'm at fault for this too. Have we reverted back to maybe it does take a full team effort. Maybe it does take experience. Maybe it does take other things to win. We saw it with that Villanova team. No, I think there are very clearly some things we've seen over the years that are trends where it's like, hey, it helps to have lottery level talent, or which Texas Tech does, or experienced guards, or which Auburn does, playing a certain Virginia. playing Virginia a certain does. way does seem to benefit at least pull upset. You know, you you get some teams that play fast and shoot a lot of threes. They seem to have the ability to pull more upsets than teams that want to grind you out. Um, but at the same time, it's a one and done tournament, so. Almost anything can get through if you're playing your best basketball at the right time. It was interesting, though. Duke, for as much as we felt, was pretty dominant. I mean, they were on the edge of their cedar going out, not just today, but going out the round Tucker before. Got them. And going out the round before that. What what was it about maybe that team that once it got to the tournament, it just didn't click the way it, it was supposed to click? Because, again, I, I know what you're saying about anything I, can happen, but, but three, they, they survived twice. Let's say they survived by the skin of their teeth twice. Yeah, I don't think Trey Jones was as good as he needed to be for that team to be elite i think he was a great on-ball defender but you didn't have to go i mean outside of the 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 sweet 16 game where he made what he made five a couple, threes yeah he made, yeah, he made a few. But that, he had more than two all year i mean for goodness sakes ucf just literally said you want to shoot it go ahead chuck yeah. it out there We're good. so I, I think you need no matter how great zion and rj and and even cam i thought played really well in this tournament they didn't have what they needed at the point guard spot i think we saw it from kentucky Ashton Higgins yeah, today was awful. Yeah, he was terrible. Awful. If you don't have, especially this late in the tournament, you don't have somebody that can handle the ball and make plays and make your team better, you, you're not going to win four games. And and Duke survived twice, survived it twice, but ultimately Auburn had two guards that were way better than Kentucky's two guards, and then Duke ran into a situation where Trey Jones just didn't help him. I mean, and Cassius Winston and was Cassius really good. Cassius Winston was did his best Kimba Walker impression. Like I said, yeah, I think chemistry and cohesion was an issue for this Duke team, and I think that might be part of what he's sitting on with not having great point guard play. They just never seemed to quite click or be on the same page altogether, and maybe part of that was having guys out at different points too. Um, the, but also. 
their, their inability to shoot was a problem. And everyone knew that, like, you can pack bodies in the lane and make it difficult no matter what your talents level's like in college basketball. I mean, if you got Division One high major type talents, if they pack it in and you're not hitting threes over them, it's going to be tough to score, even if you've got a difference maker and transcendent talent like Zion. So I think, I mean, again, they went, what, seven for 21 today? Yeah. Just not horrible, but I mean, they didn't make near enough shots um, throughout the tournament to really put teams away. Um, the, the Virginia win over, over Purdue, that's not a Virginia type win, right? I mean, they're not going to stand there toe for toe and try to outscore you. And that's what it felt like. They actually were able to do that as that game for, for them to start making shots that they were making and they're capable of doing that, but not, not standing toe to toe doing that. And they were able to withstand and they got lucky. Let's face it. They got really lucky to make a shot to force an overtime kid. I'm not even sure he knows he got the shot off. It was, it was unbelievable. Cause I kept, I'm screaming at the TV, take a timeout. What are you doing? Throws the kid. I, he knew that I, I just got to throw this up at the rim and hope. I know we're not going to talk about this. So I want to bring it up now since you just said that. What was your uh, initial reaction to the Tennessee uh, trying to get two passes in? Uh, in what one point one, point, one second? It, it's it's yeah, very difficult. It's very difficult. Were you screaming at the TV? Yes. What the hell are you doing? Yes. Rick Barnes, Rick Barnes, that tournament. Well, I was yelling at the TV uh, for uh, for Car- Carson Edwards when he was throwing the ball up the floor. Why are you throwing the ball? Out of, why are you taking it out of his hands? I think they thought they were going to go foul foul up three, maybe. And that, but that was a, a brutally bad pass. Yes. If yes. he throws a pretty good pass. Yeah, the only thing Ryan Klein's got a shot. That or I'm thinking they were trying to get Edwards on the run to catch it back. Yeah. And and maybe be able to spot up and shoot a jump shot that way. But uh, it was it was a terrible yeah. pass. It was a bad pass. It terrible was a, it pass. Was a horrible pass. But did, but back did, to Virginia. Though, did Virginia it, really do that? I mean, outside. Yeah, Carson Edwards was going off, but I don't. Guy, I don't, guy I, had five threes in the second half. But they. But I'm saying they don't. He was the only guy that scored in double figures out of the starters for Purdue. Was was Edwards? Edwards. Oh yeah. But the dude, rest of that team wasn't yeah, playing at high level. Forty four. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he was he was out of his mind, but the rest of that team wasn't at a very high level. No, he he was out of his mind. I will say, I'll give Virginia this: when it mattered down the stretch, they kept the ball out of his hands in a, in a, a lot. I mean, yeah. he, he really stopped being able to get any clean looks. Actually, forced a he couple. He was stuck on forty two for, for like a long time, three or four yes, minutes. for a very long time. But shooting exhibitions like that are fun to watch, especially when one gets more difficult and deeper than the next. It's like when he rises up and you're thinking he ain't making that Bang. one. Bang! Uh, that, I mean, that that game was really a lot of fun to watch. But, I will give a lot of credit to Tony Bennett because my biggest problem, my biggest problem always when we get into these arguments, we pigeonhole it just down to like Virginia, you can't win grinding out, playing mm-hmm. slow and stuff. It really has more to do with, I don't like when coaches are, I'm a system guy Rigid. and I won't ever right. stray from that to win a game. And to me, Tony Bennett, and this is the same thing we talk about with a lot of those teams that don't, that the play slow, they don't take opportunities to attack. They don't take opportunities that are given to to you. And in big games, like turn, like I think you have to do that. And like you're talking about, when you've got a guy going off on your team or against you, like you have to match, you have to trade shots. You have to make big shots. Big players have to make big shots in games like that. He let his guys go do their thing when it hit that point. He let Kyle Guy force up a couple quick threes. and The fall away out of the corner was obscene. Right, and, and he let his guys attack in transition when they had the opportunity. Now they stuck to their system and they still played slow, but they attacked when they had the opportunities and he let his guys get going. They've been like that most of the year. We talked about it with Bobby Regan on Selection Sunday and he was right. I wanted to see it in the NCAA tournament first because we hear every year that they're different yeah, and they're, they're doing it different they're, this they're, year. Their metrics offensively were pretty good. They were through the roof. Yeah, but they have been, been for years. They've so. been pretty good, but they no, haven't they been were great. Elite. They were elite last year. They were good last year. They were like They haven't been top year, five but, before. Yeah, yeah, this year they are. But again, I, I think that speaks to his talent as much as he has really good talent on this team too, as much as it does his system. I wanted to see it in the NCAA tournament, in a game like that. And he did. He adapted. He let his guys go make plays, and I'll give him a lot of credit for that. All right, we're going to save Kentucky for the last of this group, but uh, let's go to Texas Tech. I was one that I looked at their metrics, and they they mirrored Virginia's from last year, almost to a T. Best team defensively, good enough offensively, but not elite. Top, I think they were 30th or 31st going into the tournament. Good, but not not great. And and I even kind of half-kiddingly thought, okay, you might might be able to knock them off in round one. And if it's not them, then I love Buffalo and see you later, Texas Tech. And here they are, and watch them play. This isn't like, who are they? I mean, this was an Elite Eight team last year that now has gone one step further this year. An Elite Eight team that lost five of their top six yeah. players. Went the grad transfer out of a, non, out of a non-traditional out program. Out of a non-traditional power. Lost their, their five of their top six best guys. Returned. What is now probably the best player left in the tournament, Culver. Culver, he's really good. Um, and Chris Beard, we're learning, is an elite coach in college basketball. I, I, 
you don't see many guys jump up the list that fast, but he's proven himself somewhere that has never had basketball success, really, and proven himself quickly and with consistency, basically doing it quickly. And Elite Eight in the Final Four in back-to-back years is a pretty what, good run. Wasn't he hired at Memphis? I don't remember that. He may have been. I think he was supposed to go to Memphis, and then no, they, no, he took the Vegas. Didn't he take the Vegas job? He took the Vegas job. Yeah, yeah, and then said thanks, but no thanks. Yeah, that's what, before he came to Texas. Yeah. Tech. yeah, yeah. And I think Memphis was supposed to target him too, and okay. they went before they went to Tubby. Okay, because he was kind of the hot mid-major name that that cycle, and ended up at Texas Tech, and uh, it's worked out pretty well. Because I mean that Gonzaga team's really good. Yeah, I mean really good and really deep, and yeah. and they can, can beat you in a bunch of different ways: guard play, wings, bigs, shooting, driving. Texas Tech in the second half just had an answer, like because Gonzaga ate them up in the first half. Gonzaga shot 50 percent from the floor. I think scored thirty seven points. Right. Second half, Texas Tech adjusted and just dominated that second half. Yeah, that was the big thing. I mean, Gonzaga hit shots in that first half, and it's like. For Texas Tech, they're doing a lot of good things defensively and just getting tough shots hit against yeah. them. And I think they did a good job of not panicking and sticking to what is one for them all year. You know, I talk about guys adjusting, but Texas Tech, it was like that situation where it's like you're you're playing the right way in the first half. They were right there, step for step. Gonzaga had a bunch of dudes who were making plays that didn't keep up the rest of the way. Um, you can't say enough about Texas Tech and the way they've played this tournament, but I still think we had it right from the get go. That was still the team NKU wanted to see. Right, they gave them one of the better games they've played against in this tournament. Um, especially for, through the first three rounds. And now, you know, I'll be mean, like, now they're a four, Final Four team. We said they had that type of capabilities when it started. But also the fact that they play slower, it gave NKU a chance to stay in the game for at least the first half. Yeah, there's been a handful of, of great plays in the tournament, but but there's always one that stands out probably for every team as we go through it. The one for Texas Tech was the block three out of the corner. Yeah. Um, I'm never and a fan of jumping of I'm not a big fan of jumping at jump shooters because you get what happened in the Tennessee game, which – People can argue whether that was a foul or not, but he it did jump and he hit him, and, and you know Rick hit Barnes, him in the hip. Foul. No, no, I, he was yeah. in the air. I, I, I don't even think it was a questionable foul. Yeah, I'm personally. just I'm just a big yeah. one that I don't like. I don't like the I like closing out. I don't like jumping at him. So this dude not only jumps at a guy who's rising up over him, blocks it, and somehow saves it in bounds. Well, and that that was incredible. Somehow that, it, saves it in bounds while he was out of bounds. Well, it's still it's still a hell of a play. <laughs> it was a hell of a play. It was incredible. I, I mean, that's a guy you're familiar with, right? Wasn't he at St. John's? Yeah. Tariq Owens. Yeah, Tariq Owens has always had those instincts, but I feel like we've seen more and more of that I know. you get these big long athletic Zion blocked one big, today well he's done it all year just incredible a lot of guys blocking started with threes. Anthony Davis yeah I mean Anthony Davis had, had that ability like that's, other. I think that's the first time anybody ever really saw a guy do where, without foul. yeah I don't know if it's just transitioning the way we like the forwards and big men's kind of have new roles or more uh well, the game's so three-point heavy now yeah there's a lot more jump shots to block too I guess there's no there's not as many uh uh contests above the rim like there used to be no. like guys trying to dunk so yeah. I guess you start blocking more three-pointers and that probably makes sense yep um I let's get to, to Kentucky and um uh, unfortunately it was it was the better guards beat guards that didn't play very well today I mean Ashton Hagens was was a liability on both ends of the floor at times it wasn't just him though no no Tyler Hero had a hard time I mean to have to try to guard Jared Harper in an open court situation is nearly impossible and they somehow tasked him with that and it felt like to me I, he, he doesn't and I, there's a difference between shooting your shot and hunting a shot he doesn't look to even. He didn't even look today to, to to shoot shots when he would come off of curls. It was almost like I'm going to come off the curl and I'm throwing it in the post, and that's all there is to it. He didn't look very comfortable offensively, and I think they needed somebody of that group to, to at least rise up and knock some down, and they could never do it. Were they wind up four of twenty one on threes? Five of twenty one, yeah. They're, yeah, PJ made the one in the yeah. Over, yeah, in the overtime. Yeah, their guards are just dreadful today, so bad. And and Haggins was awful. Hero wasn't all that good. Quickly didn't give. One of five, I think, on didn't threes, really give anything six. off the bench as a change of pace to like pick it up for Haggins. I mean, and when you're playing those two guys, they're gonna have big game. I mean, they they just put so much pressure on you that they're gonna get going at some point in time, and and your guards can't play that bad against them. Well, I I just think. UK's guards had zero confidence in their ability to make jump shots. And early in the game, the plan was shoot layups, and that's how you beat Auburn because Auburn gives up layups. Or they foul, or they foul you. Well, right. And UK did put them in foul trouble. They they drew, drew a lot of fouls. And missed a bunch of free throws. Well, that's the, the other problem with UK. Their, yeah. best, their best player and the guy who draws the most fouls, PJ Washington, can't make free throws Correct. in big games. So um, that's an issue. But that a, That's a problem? Uh, I guess it's an issue. <laughs> it's a huge one today. Uh, listen to the UK call in shows. It might get mentioned a time or two. You think, you think, you think they, they practice it? When they're, like, when they're <laughs> 
tired. When they're tired. Yeah, that's probably that's probably the key. Um, but you, should, you should let Coach Cal know. Yeah, I know you're. I'll, I'll call I, I heard you had an incident where somebody was convinced you weren't a Kentucky fan. Um, I, I'm, I'm not that much of a Kentucky fan, but well, but like you're a Kentucky, like you went to grad. Kentucky. You're I'm Kentucky. A you're a not a Cal fan. I'm a UK football fan. We'll leave it at that. Go ahead. What, who got mad at you? I want to hear more about. I don't, that story. I don't know. Did somebody get mad at me? Uh, my uncle said he was with you or around you one day recently, and somebody was like, "You're not a Kentucky fan," and you're like. Well, I mean, I not like I don't hate him. Like I'm not an anti-Kentucky. I'm guy. just an anti-Cal guy. That's all. Cal, tub, tubby Calipari. I felt like when you brought that story up, there was more to it. No, I, I was hoping there was, but apparently there wasn't. Apparently that was just a normal inter- interaction. Oh, for yeah. Richard, that's exactly. It's a completely normal. <laughs> that my uncle kind of took as like a, 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 a bigger deal, yeah. and for Richard, <laughs> that's like, like t- that's a conversation. That's, that's yeah, Tuesday. Yeah, that's yeah. Tuesday. Tuesday yeah. in the bar. <laughs> But no, I, just, I mean, I just thought once Tyler Harrow wasn't hitting, there was zero confidence. And so Auburn backed off, clogged, they gapped them, and they clogged the driving lanes coming off ball screens. And it was like, UK's guards read uh, the reads coming off ball screens, which I have no idea what they're looking for. I, 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 they were almost looking to catch, square up, and throw it in the post, period, end of story. And and then, I mean, in addition to that, P.J. Washington's getting double, triple teamed. He turned the ball over 10 times, well, it felt I, like. I, I think in defense of him, and I'm not trying to make excuses, in defense of him, they threw out of the post in the first half. And when you got guys standing there wide open... Going, you're out clang. You're, I mean, at one point you go, the hell with I ain't throwing this thing out anymore. No, chief. and I don't, I don't blame him, but he was getting no help. No and doubt. That was, no the doubt. guards weren't weren't giving him anything coming off those ball screens. I got a good one here from your guy, Jeff Drummond. Yes, I like Jeff Drummond. Interesting stat. This is a tweet from Jeff Drummond, who is a Kentucky reporter. Works yep. for uh, Rivals, I believe, right? He, he Cats Illustrated Rivals, one of the two. Interesting stat on the House of Blue tonight, covering eight Kentucky NCAA tournament losses for Kentucky under Cal. 27% from three, 40 of 148, 60.8% at the line, 104 for 171. Those are in the eight it's, losses. It's a, lot of, it's a lot of missed shots, a lot of key missed shots. I mean, it, it, it is. So I don't think that comes as a surprise, well, surprise though, right? So I guess here's the question then. Got to get some shooters. Well, well, I'm, no, I'm well, asking that. That's a legitimate question but, to raise. But let me ask this question. Let's go through any other team that has a legitimate record in the NCAA tournament. Look at all their losses and see how well they shot the ball. That's kind of how basketball goes. <laughs> yeah. You miss shots when you lose games. Like, well, that's how it goes. Yeah, but the free throw thing, though. I mean, it's, it's a free throw, right? I mean, it's a, nobody's guarding you in that point. Go yeah, make them. But, I mean, Teams that lose games a lot of times miss their free throws. So, I mean, that's not surprising that Duke, it is losses they shot Duke, poorly. Duke makes a free throw today. They may or they may still be playing as we're doing this podcast, we're going to say. This is true. They'd be in overtime I bet 13. if you looked up Duke's losses in the NCAA tournament, they probably didn't shoot well from three and Although, probably didn't make free throws. Uh, I wouldn't have been surprised if Cassius Winston found a way to get down the floor and get a bucket after, if he would have made both of those He probably would have. He would have at least gotten something off. There was that, five seconds that left. Is for, yeah. that is UK for was 12 for 21 at the free throw line today. So Yeah, that's that dreadful. Goes that's, down, it's not good. And there was a handful of those that were missed front end the bonus. Yeah, that's harsh. Um, does, does Cal need to change anything, though? I mean, is he just keep taking stabs and going, this is good enough? Or do you think the fan base says, look, dude, we, we, we believed in you, but you've gotten us one championship. And right or wrong, that's the fan base. Right yes, or wrong, that's is. the fan base. But all fans are idiots. Um, he's been to seven Elite Eights in ten years. Been to, oh, what, four Final Fours? In that? That's right. Four Final Fours, seven Elite Eights. A runner-up. A runner-up and a title. title. That's insanely good. Honestly, I mean that's I. Who else has? There's nobody else that has done. Yeah, who that. who's done better than that in this time in the last ten years? Nobody. But I think the belief is he was going to get all this NBA talent, and they were going to win more than one. But it's a one and done tournament. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not giving you logic. I'm giving you, and I get the fan base. This is what See, he is a Kentucky fan. Yeah, he is. No, 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 no. He believes them because because here's the thing. Look, he has elevated the program from 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 Tubby Smith, and I won't even go to the Billy Gillespie part of it because that was a freaking unmitigated disaster. But Tubby Smith isn't far off of what John Calipari's done. He really isn't. I mean, but the consistency of seven... But it was going to be style of play and all this talent. Tubby lost 11, 12 games a year. Against a much tougher schedule year in and year out by... No Oh, my God. The SEC back then was ridiculously good. The SEC just had its best year in two decades. Back in the... No, no, no. Back then, the SEC was absurdly good. It's a football conference. It was absurdly good. This is when Florida was winning two national titles. No, that was when the Big East was dominating the sport. What are you... What? Where are we going with this? No, I'm just... When did the SEC dominate during Tubby Smith? It was really good, though. But it just dominated this year. It had a really good year. I don't think it dominated. I'm, I think it was the best or second best in the country. And you guys don't like the Big Ten, who would be the other argument. So I think you probably think it's the best. Yeah, I year. thought it was. I thought it was pretty good. I, I'm not going well, to. Who's the best if it's not them or the Big Ten? No, it's one. Yeah, I'll give you that part of it. Okay. And they, they, so each, they each got one team. At in. what good point during Tubby Smith's era was it one of the best three conferences in college basketball? Never. 
Uh, Never. Did Florida win back-to-back national championships, or am I dreaming that? Is that did they go to a national that, championship game in 2000? Okay, is, Vill- is, Villanova, is the Big East the best conference in the world now because Villanova won two co- two titles? It wasn't just this Florida back then. It kind of was. It kind of was. Georgia, That's how they, Georgia had some pretty good teams. Mississippi if, State had some pretty good teams. Who? Mississippi State. Well, your boy Rick Stansberry had some pretty good teams. I'm just saying, look – the, the, the big thing was he's going to get all this NBA talent in, and they are going to cruise to more than one t- championship. He's gotten the same result as Tubby Smith. I think that's a you problem. Like That's Maybe. an expectations problem. I don't think he's gotten the same results as Tubby Smith. I, I don't either. I think he's done much, much better. Um, and also, I like... Uh, what is uh, so? What's the adjustment? Recruit like this year? I thought this is the type of model you want. You want a PJ Washington that came back for that second year. That is a national player of the year type contender with some experience to lead you. You wish he had better point guard play. It, it didn't okay. work out. You had three top talent. You didn't have who, three. Who, so is that a player development thing? Well, you had one year with them. None of them worked out. That's who, that's unfortunate. But that's the that's who, you've who, dealt yourself okay, that, that, let's that, that play that, a game. that yeah. hand. But let's he play got a game. Eight with it. He, I mean, he had a chance to win the, the whole thing. He was as good as anyone left. Let's play a game. Who okay. are the three best coaches of basketball right now? Oh my God! I, you, there's so many you can name. I mean, okay, let, Izzo, let, Izzo's in the group. Let, let's go, Coach Cal, Coach K, and Roy Williams. Let's play a game. Yeah. Okay. I'm not sure. I go since Cal like arrived that. at Kentucky. Who's got the what are the what are the national title counts for those three? Probably, probably they each have one, right? K has two. Okay, K has two. Roy has one. Cal has okay. one. Okay. Runner ups. Cal one. Roy one. K zero. Yeah, I didn't think K had any. Yeah. Final fours. Cal four. Roy two. K two. Elite eights. Cal seven. Roy four K five. What is the ultimate go to go to the final four to win a national championship? I don't want to go McCrone here, but you can't win it all if you're I, not in the final I, four. I'll, I'll give you that, but again, this was supposed to be this guy was going to come in and magically. It trans- has been okay. It's been everything okay. they said it was going to be. Like they've it got. Has? He's only not made the Sweet Sixteen once in ten years. How like do you not see that as successful? I don't understand. I, not, not with the not with the level of talent. I don't. I'm sorry that I don't. I, I, I don't. think that would qualify as an unreasonable expectation. It, it may be. What would you? But want? I was told he's a, he's so, going to recruit okay. all this talent. There so who do you want them to go get? Who's better? I, that's the thing. Exactly. No one could possibly do better than he's done. I, I don't. Coach K and Roy Williams what, haven't done better than I'll, he's done. I'll, I'll tell you what. Let's find somebody. Why am I defending Coach I, Cal? This is wild that we have Chad Brindle defending John Calipari right in, now. In, what in, the hell is happening? Where am I? In a 10 or 12 year period, though, all I'm saying is Tubby Smith won a title. And one, this guy's won a title. With Rick Pitino's players. And then he fa- See, that's then, unfair. That's just unfair. He coached them to it. Okay, but he got one title and then failed to bring in his own players and do it again. But he could not only could he not win the title again, he couldn't get to Elite Eights and Final Fours. He got to Sweet Sixteens, and you said that, that that's what you can control, right? I do agree with that, but how many Sweet Sixteens did he get to? Uh, yeah, I don't have it in front of me. I guarantee right, you. It's I, not 7 out of 10. So what's the, it's I 8 mean, out of 10 Sweet Sixteens, actually. What? Cal? For, for Cal's Cal? made 8 out of 10 Sweet Sixteens. Okay, Tubby did not 7 do that. out of 10 Elite Eights. Tubby did not do that. I thought he coached a miserable game today offensively. I just thought it was miserable. I thought in the second half they had no answers, but I thought that had to do with – it's the same thing Xavier went through this year. When you have guys that cannot make a shot from the outside – Now, Kentucky – Then didn't do this. How about push the pace on occasion? I know you don't want to they run – They tried. They didn't do it enough. Well, there I mean, was a lot of rebounds. They got, they got blocked at the rim, what, five, six times, I felt like? But you're also you playing against a team whose greatest strength is running they, up and down the court. Your strength but, is getting into the post and getting but you have, and when getting they, fouled. When they were in transition a chunk, they did a pretty good job for the most part. Most teams in transition are you know good. When, you know when they struggled? When they stood P.J. Washington in the corner to and didn't threes. put him in the post and feed him the ball. That's when they struggled. I'll give you yeah, that part look, of it. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying Cal didn't have some missteps in today's game or it couldn't have been coached better. But, I mean, to, like, to act like there was some magic pill that could have been given to a team that would have just told him to... I mean, the, the key was make a few shots and loosen up the defense. Because Auburn finally figured out, we're just going to pack it in a little bit and take away the post pass. Well, and Ashton Hagens is not a shooter. Quickly quickly is, and, and Hero are. Hero's 36%, His, I they think. they can hit. Hagens' inconsistency is wild to me. Because, it really has been. Because there are times he looked dominant. Defensively. Defensively he, and with the ball attacking the rim. Like, he's so disruptive and explosive and athletic, but it seems like his feel, he just has no feel for yeah. the game. Like his feel to make plays for others and to defend off the ball and understand the system and, and be a good teammate, it just seems like it's non-existent. And then it felt like when he turned it over, the energy level on the other end was just not there at all. It yeah. was almost like he was lost or woe is me. Well, I, I think a, a, he's been that way a lot off the ball this year. I think on the ball he's so disruptive, but uh, but he, even today he was going up against two really good guards They're where good. he got beat even when he was on the ball. No doubt. That's why so. they had to take Hero off of... Uh, put Hero on... Uh, 
Hero got beat on every, by, by Harper badly too. He I, just no, I know. He just didn't have a matchup. No, he's, he doesn't yeah. have a matchup for it. Right, well, he's had some really good defensive games in this tournament. He was but right it, against the kid from from uh, in the second round. The kid that went 0 for 12, McGee. Oh, yeah, Fletcher McGee. Yeah. So if you give him a guy that's not yeah. a super quick burner, he's, kid, yeah. I think his length and his athleticism you know, he isn't McGee. bad, but he's not quick laterally. No, very few people are going to keep Jared Harper in front of them. I will tell you that. that that's for sure. All right, let's talk about the matchups that are left. Um, I, I'm not sure who, who I can go with, and, and maybe I should just look and go, you know what, Virginia earned a one seed, and they are probably the best team left, so you go with them. But the way Auburn keeps playing, and they're, they're winning – Look, they survived that first game right against New Mexico State where they almost pissed the lead away and somehow found a way to win that game. They and should have lost that game. They should have lost that game, but that's that's what happens in this tournament. What did I say last yeah. week? That yeah. that You did say that, and it feels very much like that's the case right now. We feel, It feels like we see it at least every other year mm-hmm. where there's a team that goes right to the brink. They almost blow a game. They have no business losing. They To get upset, get bounced out of the tournament, and everybody goes, oh, see, see, they were, they were a pretender. And then they they squeak it out. They somehow manage to hang on by their fingertips, hanging from the mountain. Or, and then they go to the final four. Didn't South Carolina the year that they made? The yeah, yes. they were supposed to be like yes. they shouldn't have been in the tournament. Yeah, because they struggled. Yeah. yeah. Now I, Auburn's style of play though right now just seems to me like if they need to to grind out some possessions, they're good enough to do it. But they also are just going to keep playing the way that they want to. They're play. going to try. I mean, them playing Virginia is perfect. It's absolutely perfect. Well, no, them playing North Carolina was perfect. <laughs> that, well, was, that was yes. perfect. That was beautiful. But, uh, that was the perfect. contrast. Well, it was so, it was so funny. We were out. Have you guys ever been to uh, Verona Vineyards? No. I've not. I'm not a vineyard guy, but they they have flights of bourbon. It was pretty good. <laughs> I got I got t- that was my a, family. That was a crazy Ivan, but I like it. Go ahead. My family went there for for Lent Friday. Because they gave up what to go to the vineyard? Uh, well, they they have fish, so they ah, they, gotcha, they went there okay. for fish and drank a bunch of wine. There and you bourbon. go. Okay, all right. And they, they have a pretty good beer selection too, okay. by the way. But they gave that up for Lent. It was really really good. But was what was they had the CBS game on, so all I could see while I was there was, was the, the ticker, and it looked like a like a slot machine. The first like it was what seventeen to fourteen at the first meeting the timeout. Yeah, it was like every time I would like take a bite of food and turn, and like seven points had been scored. That was perfect. Like, that was what you wanted to see. But now to get them against Virginia, I, that's just going to be fascinating. Virginia literally is going to try to, like, tackle them to slow them well, down. Well, I was going to say, Virginia, if they play the pack line stuff that they play, you're going to try to keep Jared Harper from getting to the rim, but that's going to lead guys to going, I'm going to jack one up from 25, and he's going to jack one up from 25, and he's going to And guess what? We're going to go 0 for 11, and we're going to keep shooting them, and then we're going to wind up 11 for 35. We're fine with that. Yeah, and I fully understand that their version of pack line and the way they play it, they do a really good job of defending the perimeter compared to, like, some of the yes. other teams that play the pack line. That, Which literally stand at the line and go, you ain't coming in here. But that being said, the pack line is still not designed to take away three-pointers necessarily. Right. So Auburn is – you haven't seen a team like Auburn. No, I don't care who you've seen this year, even North Carolina, they do not play like Auburn plays. They play as fast as Auburn plays. They do not shoot bad shots like Auburn shoots the, the, bad the, shots. The thing I will say about Auburn both in the Carolina game, and again, that was kind of a shot-maker's game one way or the other, but they did get some stops in that game, and they obviously led to that big run. And today against Kentucky, defensively, I mean, they, 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 the game. they hunkered down and got stops. And and I'm not sure that that's really their M.O. I mean, their M.O. is pressing you, trying to turn you over, getting you, even if they give up a layup because you, they pressed you. They want they, they got want, the speed. They got the speed. They got you playing their pace of play. Today, he pressed hard, what, Five times, three it's, times. It's Rick pointed this Not out on TV, and it, it, it's an excellent point. They backed off of the pressure. They backed off of the passing lanes, and they loaded up on the pick and roll. Yeah, and it result. The result was instead of getting steals, jumping passing no, lanes. They were stripping it. Out. They were stripping the ball off of the pick and rolls. Yeah. Or UK was throwing it away. Or I mean, they'd give it into PJ with three guys in the area, yeah. and he couldn't even bring it down. I mean, yeah, yeah, it was just bad decision after bad decision when they saw all those bodies lined up in front of them. All right, so based on on the matchup. I keep doubting Virginia and maybe shame on me because the metrics show I shouldn't and their to their credit their performance and results other than the goofy first half against the 16 seed they've had a pretty good tournament now, from that point forward. Now, but also they've gotten the draw that yes, you would have wanted if you're Virginia. I mean, well, they got the they, draw last year too and it didn't work out so good. Yeah, I mean they all all the way through this has been set up with teams that play a style that is going to be good for them. And even Purdue, I think most people universally recognize them as the worst three seed in the tournament. Right. So I think they've had great matchups all the way through. Now, they've had to play some tough games, and they've been very impressive while doing so. 
I think they're the most talented team left in the tournament. I think they're really good. That being said, I'm going to pick Auburn. I am too. Now, now, I think I'm with you guys. They, 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 they grinded through the injury today. How much will the injury, though, be a factor against Virginia? I don't know. I mean. You can, it feels like you can do that for a game, right? The you thing can with, do a the game. Thing with, the thing with Okiki is I think he would have been the guy on Hunter. And Hunter hasn't really broken out this tournament. Yeah, well, you might get it in the finals. That's what I mean. That's so that would be that like that. That would be you give Bennett a couple extra days. Okiki was a guy that I mean, he played center for him, but he was more like their their Swiss Army knife. Whoever your best player was that was six five or taller, right. you could put him on him. He did a lot of different things really well. Um, it's five more fouls and they yeah. foul. And, and like Purifoy was playing center today. He was he's really a. a a, a, a combo three forward, combo forward yeah. yeah i mean he's a three or a small four he's playing the five like i kind of liked that look to be honest i did too but it's not it's not you, you're not going to get great post defense you're right. not going to be as good on the boards which he's, they're always well, right. you're going to put you're going to put and him on the, jack salt well who is the most perfectly named human being on the planet but, but here's yeah. the thing though in, in this game while they're not as skilled in the post virginia as kentucky is skilled in the post you still can't probably let yourself get isolated down there, which means you're going to have to double, which means they got better guys to kick out to yeah. than Kentucky did. Yeah. I mean, Kyle Guy and Ty Jerome and those guys can can burn you from three. Yeah. The good thing is you're not going to have to deal with Kentucky's overall size right. and, and strength down low. Um, Virginia's guy's a little more lean. That being said, he mentioned DeAndre Hunter is a really difficult guy to match up with. So uh, it's going to be it's going to make a big difference. I think not having Okiki made a bigger difference against UK than it does against Auburn. Uh, I mean, um, against Virginia rather. But it's it's going to hurt them for sure. And the, the biggest thing is they're such a bad defensive rebounding team, at least for most of the season. Yeah. Not having a guy like that, you wonder. I mean, are they going to be able to get the stops and clear Virginia, the ball that matters? Virginia's going to send numbers to the offensive boards. You have to think. Yeah. 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 But we're still going. We're all going with Auburn, right? Oh, you guys almost talked me into Virginia during that conversation. <laughs> I'm still going with Auburn. I think I'm going with Auburn, but I, I'm not sure on either of these games. I mean, I'm, I don't have like a a strong feeling one way or the other on either of these games. No, I think you go back and you could play the Elite Eight how many other times, and you could shake out four different Final Four teams across the board in each each of the. Well, yeah, all 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 the Elite Eight games were great, and I don't think there's much separation. Like, like I, I think. You know, Texas Tech is probably playing the best of anybody right now, and they have the best player. But I don't feel overly confident about them being able to beat a, a, an Izzo team that is this is a quintessential Izzo team. No, no question. Yeah. No, no, no question. A bunch of guys just playing their role, and they got into a, dude, a and, couple and, stars, and they got a dude. Yeah, and they got a guy. Well, they, they got two guys. I think you got Cassius and Nick Ward. Oh, that's I fair. think I think you got a, a guy a on the perimeter. I love Nick Ward, and I think for most of the year he was their guy. Um, but Cassius Winston, we all knew was their was leader it, all along. Was it good that he got hurt, maybe for a couple of games, just because it forced Winston to like go just into extra gear? Yeah, and I, then when he came back, then he goes back into his role, and now Winston is, is playing with yeah. incredible confidence. You, you never know how much that plays a role. I, I don't think it hurt, but I definitely you might have seen Cassius Winston do this anyway. You know, because he's kind true. of that type of guy yeah. that's been waiting for this type of moment. Um, I, I, you said it. It's a quintessential Izzo team. It's not his most talented team by far, but they are playing exactly the way he wants them to play, and they're fully bought in. And now I he doesn't have to I deal with Kentucky or Duke right? or Carolina. Or I think it's Izzo abusing Aaron Henry the way he did that Speaking got him to which, play hard. Did, did you see today, I think it was in the last time out, the players, yep. he yep. was going to go at it. I don't know what it was all about. because I'm thinking, He was going after Xavier Tillman I, I know, for something. But I know. That's the thing. I was trying to figure out what the something was because – and Winston, he either just got in a rebound. Something good had just happened. Winston yeah. was like tapping him on the chest, yeah. like easy, I didn't know if anybody else caught that. He's, and he like you can it, see him like the eyes because it's like it's the most key juncture of the game, yeah. man. He's get, go draw something up, dude. That was also my favorite. I think uh, Keldon Johnson hoisted a, a quick three coming off a ball screen at one point late in the second half, and Cal immediately grabs Jamaro Baker. Get him! And then like as he starts to walk back down on defense, he realizes he doesn't want Jamaro Baker in the game, and he goes, "Actually, sit back." He points yeah, the way back I'm to kidding, the bench. I'm yeah. kidding. He did I'm that kidding. with a couple. I think he did that with EJ Montgomery because he didn't come back. Well, he, he got he got beat on a rotation, and you could maybe see he needed to put Jamaro Baker in there to well, hit a couple. Well, and maybe each. I, I would have liked to see Montgomery instead of Richards. Uh, I'm not Richard Travis. But, uh, Travis because Travis was not giving you anything right. inside, especially in the second half when they started packing in. At least Montgomery gives you that crazy length and athleticism. I'm going to make you pick the Michigan State Texas Tech game. Got to do it. I, I'm going to go Michigan State because it just feels like I I have to. But I I think Texas Tech is the better team. Pl is playing better and has the best player. It goes against my natural instinct to pick Texas Tech, but. 
I'm going to go with Izzo to get to the final four. I'm going to go Texas Tech. I, I like the way they're Man. playing. I think Jarrett Culver is the best player left in the tournament, Man. so I'm just going to ride that, if nothing else. I think Texas Tech matches their physical. I do, too. That's the one thing that it, sometimes you just don't. That game might be a bloodbath. It's a good matchup for Texas Tech. This is what it they is. wanted. Agreed. But do they have a guard as good I mean, as Winston? Here's what I'm going to say. I'm, I'm going to pick Texas Tech against Auburn, and that just doesn't feel like a national championship game, does it? Well, it's, how mad is CBS? Oh, dude, killed them. Killed them. Kentucky. And dude, back-to-back games. Well, I mean, Zion more than anything. Zion, yeah. everybody wants to watch Zion. Grandma wants to watch Zion. Little Betty Sue how, wants to how watch about, Zion. Um, how about Fred, who doesn't watch anything other than the tournament, he wants to watch Zion. How about the two blocks Friday? Oh, incredible. The one, the one early that literally he almost blocked at the top of the backboard. And then the other one, I can't remember who it was, put him on skates, in and out dribble, crossover straight to the rim for an easy layup on the opposite side. Give me that. And, yep. and Zion just right from back. Yep. Spank. I mean, the block shot of the jump shot today was insane. He's I mean, ridiculous. He was nine miles away from the shot. I can't imagine being, and most people think he's going to be amazing, but there are still just some people that are riding it hard like, Look at the deficiencies in his game, and they keep calling out like such insignificant things. And I'm like, what, what, are, you what, are, you what are you doing? Watching? What are you doing? I mean, what, are you what are you doing? The, the drive he made, I think it was to tie it late. The one yeah. that came off the wing, left off, like, but, but off balance. Yeah, and, and the fact that he, one guy tried to dig at him, had no chance to dig it away. Another guy looked like he was trying to trying to slide, and realized, nah, not for me. And he's got the other guy right on his hip. And he just goes right through it to the to the rim. He had a rebound with about five minutes oh, left. Yep, yep, yep. That was like, hey, I'm turning off. He sna- He just snatched it because the, <laughs> the guy had guy had it. The guy had position, position. was going up. He just snatched it away from him. There, so he did that. That was against Nick Ward, where he just yes. ripped the yeah. ball right yes. out of his hands over top yes. of him. It's like, okay, well, he elevates a lot higher than Nick Ward. That makes sense. But earlier, that maybe five, six possessions before it, I want to say he had a rebound where he just moved. All 280 pounds of Nick Ward without like bumping in or anything, just kind of jumped. They hit, and Nick Ward goes across the lane yes. and he ends up with the ball. And it's like Nick Ward is a massive yeah. human being. I, it's, I, I it's can't stun it. It's, it's what we talked about at the beginning. He's a one of one. There has never been any. I've Nothing never like ever seen anything like him. You're going to love on, this. On an NBA team where you can space the floor with him, give me a break. He's yeah. gonna he's gonna kill it. Well, and then how many times at end of games where they've been struggling did we see him go make a player two in a row defensively? R J or someone misses on offense, and then finally he goes, "Give me the ball," and he faces up and hits a three. I think that was the K's biggest like flaw the whole season is when in in crunch time he kept going to R J. Yeah, when, we're running stuff for let Trey Jones make a play. It's like get, let let get, Zion make the play. Get he Zion the damn ball. No, it, it, it it's very LeBron. Coach K can't coach. It, it, it's it's very <laughs> Zion the damn ball. K, come on. I mean, it's, it's very LeBron esque at the NBA level. It's going to be he's going to not only get his, he's going to create for others, and you're going to look. He's going to go for twenty six, eight and a half, eleven rebounds. I feel like he was playing all that well at one point today, and he had twenty four and twelve. Yes, I know. yes, that's the thing. His, his stat line is just stupid because he's so high energy. Yes, he, he's like LeBron. without never getting. He never looks like he's tired. The most that's the thing never. That, that's most like LeBron to me is both of them can play so high energy, get the chase down blocks, do all the recovering, do old, everything. Old LeBron, new LeBron. No, new LeBron. I, see, I still disagree with even that. last year LeBron. Yeah. I still disagree this year with LeBron. That. No, this year LeBron was was taking some breaks. Yes. Well, but I think they both because people are saying in the second half of this game too. Oh, Zion's gassed. He's just been carrying the team all year. I was like, Zion takes like. Three to four possessions off the same way LeBron does. He doesn't come off the floor. He's just like, I'm not going to do anything. You're going to have to shoot this one. Like, I'll still rebound and yeah. defend a little bit. And you can do that in but the I NBA. Need, I need four possessions to rejuvenate, and then magically he's back to yeah. just dominating. It's it's absurd. Yeah. He and LeBron he's are the so, only two I've ever seen do that. It stinks that he's not in the final four. It really it does. does. It does. Terrible. You know, for CBS, it stinks for sure. CBS is not happy. So I, I had a comparison uh, that I heard someone compare him to that is just going to floor you guys. Anthony Bennett. Someone told wow. me he was going to be a bust like Anthony Bennett. There have been only one. Is that maybe the worst you've ever heard? You'll have to look this up, old school kids. The only other bust besides Anthony Bennett is a guy named LaRue Martin. Go look him up back in the early 1970s. Trust me, Zion is I, not. I believe we actually called each other when they selected Anthony Bennett because we had watched a pretty good deal of Anthony Bennett and went, what? Yeah, because just Anthony, happened. Anthony Bennett played with Sim Ballard, Yeah, who was well, And you see, recruited Anthony Bennett. <laughs> yeah. Well, and there was Negus Webster Khan and yeah. all these guys that were recruited can, can, at that can, time. Can you answer me why they made that comparison? Because well, they're so, they, they was like He's like, he's 6'8", athletic, so is Anthony Bennett. Neither one of them can shoot. Neither one of them are skilled. I'm like, you're an idiot. I yeah. don't, uh, this is done. We're done here. I, you're, I think you're, you're blocked. Gonna, I think, I, see, I block people like I that. I think you're going to watch Zion become a pretty good shooter. I, I, I think I, he's going to be a good shooter, too. 
it, it's a set shot, right? But it's yeah. still it, it's it, it, it's in not the NBA ugly. on kickouts. Yes, they're going to have to respect. So, they in the can't NBA, close guess out. what? He's the kick. He's going to be the doing the kicking out because he's okay, going to be more talking down about him as a shooter. Yeah, Kenny. yeah. <laughs> but no, what are you doing here. What is the, what is going on tonight? Well, the, no, the thing is, I don't think you have to worry about him as a shooter that much, though. You I think he's going to shoot it fine. He's going to stand there. They're going to kick out to him, and teams aren't going to be able to close out. He's going to sling that set shot and go. Yeah, I think, just he's gonna, I think he'll end up being 30. I could see him 37, 38, 39% from three. Not taking a ton of them, but being efficient when he when he fires one off. I mean, I think we're going to see, assuming he's a great, we're going to see him develop a lot like some of those other Uber, the Jordan, the LeBron type guys have, have where it's going to use his explosiveness and athleticism. And got, and as he gets older and some of that goes away gradually and guys catch on to like, hey, here's his tendencies and try to take some of that away from him, he's going to learn a little fadeaway and a jump hook and some other things. Smaller I, things I agree. Arsenal and become a better three-point shooter as well. I agree. I would agree with that. Um, all right, let's move on to both UC and Xavier. we got a couple other house-cleaning items to do. Let's start with, with UC, where the, the reporter earlier this week from Mike DeCourcy, the Sporting News, about Mick Cronin's contract and, I guess, semantically not getting a raise moving forward. Just semantically walk me through maybe what that's all about. I think there's – I think it's perception on each side. I think the administration feels like – they offered him a, a a new contract, a better contract than the one before. Um, maybe Mick doesn't feel like you know they were that it was that much of a increase over what and because it. I mean, remember this is all coming off a season where you tied the school record for wins. You got a two seed. Yes, it was disappointment. Yeah, for those who this was this was this was after last year. Yeah, this Please. is following last yeah. year. Um, so I think maybe he felt like. It, it should have been better uh, than it was. They, I mean, obviously, you see you're dealing with budgetary restrictions, um, especially at that point in time because, I mean, now we know the media deal, but we didn't know the media deal, what it, the new media deal the was going to be at yeah. that. Well, I mean, just the ESPN deal in yeah. general, uh, each school getting $7 million, um, and a bump up from each school getting $2 million, uh on the old deal. So I, I think there's... Well, let's let's cut to the chase. Do both sides come to a, to an agreement at some point, or do we reach the impasse that if somebody does offer, Mick would be almost a fool to say no? The more time goes by, the more I think something probably does end up happening. The only thing that's really tough is I think, from what I've seen so far, the only jobs I think that are really that that would really be attractive that are either out there or going to be out there are UCLA. And they seem to be stuck on waiting on Tony Bennett, um, which it's a really weird move for them because they fired Steve Alford when they did. We are now two and a half weeks from UCLA's season when it ended, and they haven't made made any movement movement whatsoever. So it's pretty clear to me they're waiting on Bennett. Does this make Bennett more or less likely now that his team's in the Final Four? And that's the tough. I mean, you'd have to think UCLA feels like they've got a very legitimate shot at getting him if they're waiting like this without yeah. even interviewing they, like the, the way that this stuff goes, somebody has told them, we'd like to hear what you have to say. You or, would think. Now, granted, I don't think UCLA can make a play of, like, let's interview two or three guys and then tell Tony Bennett he's our guy. I don't think that's going to work. So I get from the standpoint of if you're going to make a run at Tony Bennett, you have to make it clear you're our only option. Yeah. We're going to do everything we can to secure you and make him feel the love. At the same time, I mean, waiting and missing on him is going to be a dangerous proposition. Matt Painter has already said thanks, but no thanks um, on that on that job. I mean, I don't know who's after Bennett, honestly. Chris Beard? I think he really wants that Texas job. I, I, I mean, maybe, but I don't know that Chris Beard – Again, like it's funny because everybody we bring up almost doesn't seem like stylistically as a fit for, for, UC- for UCLA, right? For UCLA, because we haven't, we have. I don't think there's, there's definitely not like a offensive minded, up and down no, the we, floor we, showtime. We've got Tony Bennett, Chris Beard, and we've talked about mix so and, and Thad and Thad, and Thad is going to, and Thad is right in there as well. So it's really weird with UCLA because there's just no, there's no sense for what's going on there. And then I think the other one that could be a possibility if it was open is LSU, but it's not open yet. Uh, it's going to be. I don't think there's any question there. That job is going to be open. But what are they going to do? Um, would they want to go to a guy with a squeaky clean record? Right. 
And I think that could be very attractive in the situation that they're in to say, hey, look, you know, I'm trying to. Would he, would he wait for the leverage? It's really hard. At the, I mean, at this point in time, because. Well, Mick can wait as long as he wants. Yeah. I mean, Mick has no rush. He has all the leverage in terms of that because, I mean, he's not looking to hire another coach until he leaves. So he can totally play this out as long as he wants and try to get more money out of UC. I think the thing we saw, look, let's be frank, anything that's written by Mike DeCourcy is very clearly Mick Cronin's spin on what's going on. That's been very clear for years and years. We said the same thing about Jeff Goodman and Chris Mack. They're very obviously friends and they share information. Mick's going to help him write that story. So this is clearly how Mick feels about it. He feels he's had a lot of success. He, it's underrated what he's done at UC in a, in a tough situation. And he's not being valued for that right now with the offer and they've I, given him. I, I get that feeling. The and question I, is, on the flip side, how much, does, how much is UC feeling like this is all we can do versus how much is UC feeling like, you know what? Why don't you go? It, we've had another early exit. Why don't you go ahead and test the waters a little bit and see what's out there for you? Because this is our game, best man. offer. That's a dangerous game. But I, I, maybe they feel like they can do better. Maybe. That, it's a dangerous that's a risky game. proposition. Let's, let's, let's talk that out. Let's talk that out. So right now, Mick is 49th in the country in coaching salaries. To get him up to around 25, 30, which I think I would say would be a fair uh, compensation for the level of, of... I think we would agree they're a top 25 program, right? Top 25 to 30, I think somewhere in that range would be... I think it, with UC's pecking order in college athletics being in the AAC and yep, yep. where they're at and not having the postseason success, because let's face it, that would bring more money if you get more NCAA tournament units. I, I think you're probably looking at probably closer to like top 40 pay, personally. I'd go top 30, but okay. All right. Yeah, I mean, I get okay. it. UC's yeah. a top 30 program, yeah, but I'm just saying you're yeah. at UC. You're not at a top 30 program in the SEC or the Big Ten. So you're talking 2.7. He's at around 2.2, 2.3. You're talking a dollars $500,000 raise per year. And, and the, media, the media rights deal is going to help offset some costs for some other things. Well, basically what the media rights deal is going to do is it's going to put them. This is what, a 10-year deal? 12. 12. It's going to put them back where they were in the Big East or close to back to where they were in the Big East. So it's going to get them back to operating how they were operating um, before the conference split up. And then they were operating still pretty much at the same level because of the leftover money that got split heavier to the teams that were left behind than the people that were brought in. So UConn, Central Florida, Cincinnati got a different Yes. They're not Central Florida, but UConn, USF. USF, Cincinnati, got a different compensation than the people that were brought into the the American when it was formed. So that it, it puts them about on par with where they've been operating. Um, but there was uncertainty as to what, the, what were we going to be able to do going forward. We didn't want to make commitments on that without knowing. Without that deal, things would have been pretty bad financially. Yes. So this keeps it on par with where they're at. It's not really going to change but, a lot. But this is where if you're Mick Cronin, you know that there's there's a pot of money that can be had. Yeah. It's about the same pot of money they've had. It's not getting mm. a lot bigger. It's just not going to decrease drastically like it otherwise would have. Correct. So I think that's the tough position you see might find themselves in. And if that's the position they're in, there's like, we don't have well, the see, money. But then here's the thing for me, though. Like, so let's let's take a look at the American right now. And this could change drastically in a week. And if it changes drastically in a week or two, I think it tells you all you need to know about the American. So Mick Cronin leaves. You're going to hire somebody. Think about who's out there, what jobs are available, what names are available that would be in UC's range, right? Yeah. Well, or, or below it. Or below it. Are they going to be better than Kelvin Sampson? No. No, but Kelvin Sampson's probably going to go somewhere. But I'm, I'm talking about, that's what I said. This yeah. could change yeah, drastically yeah, yeah. in a week. I, I think that's what yeah. you're leaning And it would yeah. tell you, but better than Kelvin Sampson, no. Better than Greg Marshall, no. I don't know. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Any coach that UC should be looking at should be an up-and-comer where we'd have no clue because they don't have the track record. I mean, let's face it. John Brandon's the obvious answer if Mick leaves right now. Yeah, I mean, there's some other interesting names, I think, that would be in play. Older guys or younger guys? Um... Let's see, 1992. What does he I, I, do, Can you just tell us or like start? Yeah, just, like, just, just like throw this it isn't, Yeah. I, I, think, I think there's a pretty good chance that if, it, if the job does open, I think you could see Nick Van Exel's name very much in the mix. Okay, that would make a lot of sense. Yeah, why wouldn't you say? But that's another guy with no track record, so we have no yeah. idea where he stacks in that, the that AAC. Could be, that could be Avery Johnson. 
Right. Yeah, and and in the AAC, which is to the point I was getting to with Samson and, and Greg Marshall and Danny Hurley and, and Johnny Dawkins has done a D. It'll be interesting to see him without Taco. Hold on. He's, he's done a good job. I, I, mean, I don't think he's a good coach. at the beginning of the year? I don't think <laughs> he's a good coach. He's giving him a mea culpa okay. here. I like him. I, I don't think a... he's a good coach, but he did a really good job this year he's, getting that team. Hey, his kid's pretty good. So. His kid is really good. There's no question that about helps. that. Yes. Um, you're going to have a hard time finding somebody that's better than Frank Haith. Oh, boy. Man, that's, oh, man. That's point blank reality, Skinny. Well... Again, I mean, from I the standpoint of their if their history, but if they're hiring the right guy, they're looking up and comer with no track records. You have no idea how. I mean, Mick, Mick was that guy when they hired him. I mean, he had, yeah, he'd be hiring another Murray state. And you'd be he, looking for another. He had pedigree of Huggins and Patino, right? There, who out who out there? But at Murray State, he had a, he had a, he had, did a he nice, almost beat North Carolina. He did a nice job. I yeah. tell you, he didn't. I'm just saying that's still not all of a sudden a surefire yeah, home run Mick, guy. Mick coming into the if if Mick was being hired was right a, now at Murray State, he'd be in the same boat. He'd be better than Frank Hayes. And it was the perfect hire, and he's he's done a great job. All yeah. of those things. So, yeah, you're looking for the up-and-comer. And I think in Mick's case, I think he was the up-and-comer who found a dream job, who's willing to stay here until they finally say, look, I can't give you any more money. And someone else is offering more, and that's where you are in your life? That's the choice you make. That's the, yeah. I mean, that's the choice you make. Maybe I, you feel I, mean, under, I agree. Maybe you're at the point where you feel underappreciated from I, us I, I and just fans. Feel like, I feel and, like. And what, what, whether, whether it's accurate, if that's the way you feel, I get it. And if you're UC and you can't offer more, you just simply can't. You're, we're at the pot, end of the pot, man. I can give you a little bit. Okay, I can do a little bit for. I, I, I my budget won't. I can't do it. I just can't do it. If what they don't have is Wilson Fertitta at Houston, who has come out and said basically, I will pay Kelvin Sampson eighteen million dollars over the next six years, give him three million dollars a year to stay. Now the funny part is, from what I've heard, that's kind of the reason why Sampson wants to go. Or, or is, is looking at going because doesn't want to be beholden. He doesn't want to be beholden to one guy. I'm, I'm good with that. Although three million dollars to coach at Houston. Well, if Arkansas is going to give them a Arkansas little more. There. Yeah, and let's be clear. In this climate, where I mean, people have long forgotten about Kelvin Sampson's transgressions. Heck, what he got busted for is now legal, I believe. So, um, I don't think anyone's like worried about not being clean and bringing in Kelvin Sampson and what he's. His track record as a coach is undeniable. He's, no he can coach his ass off. No so question. He's going to get a good job yeah. if he wants one. Yeah. So it would make sense if he wants to leave Houston and the AAC behind. My, my final take on the Mick thing is this. What I said before, if, if UC is truly in a spot where they just don't have the money and everyone finally understands that, I think Mick will stay at UC. If it's a situation where it – at the end of the day, does feel like the, the money is there. He knows the money is there, and he feels disrespected. I think he'll end up leaving. I think that's, I think that's what I, it comes I down to. I would agree with that take. Chad, do you agree with that or not? I don't disagree. Okay. Well, that's, that's not fully agreeing, but that's that's close enough. Switzerland. Okay. I like that. Switzerland it is. All right. Let's talk about uh, Xavier, which uh, landed a, a a grad transfer, the rare two-year grad transfer, Jason Carter from, from Ohio. Yeah. We should uh, be clear. He still has to graduate yes. this summer for it to work out, but... I don't. He would have stayed at Ohio, played this third year out, and then grad transferred next year. I'm assuming the only way it doesn't work out is if he flunks. Right. Right. I, okay. I think that's about right. Okay. Yes. Fair enough. So let's let's assume he doesn't flunk. Yeah. It is a rare two year two year grad transfer. What does he bring to the table uh, for Xavier? Well, it's experience, and I think a low floor type guy. It was what you were hoping you were going to be able to bring in this year. You got it with uh, Zach Hankins. Unfortunately, at the four spot where you're trying to make up for Kaiser Gates, you just didn't have a guy that was really big East caliber. I think Jason Carter is that. Now, is he more than that? Is he a guy that gets you 10, 11, 12 points and seven rebounds a game? Maybe. He's pretty talented. He's a unique player. He, he kind of, I hate comparisons, but if you're going to look for one, I think like a really poor man's Ethan Happ is kind of accurate, but he shoots it better than Ethan Happ does, which that's Ethan Happ's biggest weakness. So again, different, but he can, the thing that makes him you like- You shoot it better than Ethan Happ does. True. Very true. <laughs> I shoot it better than Jason Carter too, but that's, I got a strap. Uh, Jason, Jason Carter- it, he can handle it. I like your confidence level. That's what I like the most. I know my scouting report. Okay. I couldn't guard you off the dribble, but I'll put 50 on your ass. <laughs> you No, you wouldn't because I'd knock you on your ass first. <laughs> you'd take a charge probably. No, I'd just go right through you first. Your first drive, you'd go down. Skinny, we should play a one-on-one game for the podcast. Maybe maybe we will. Can maybe I officiate? And film it. <laughs> and commentate. You can play-by-play. Play. All right. But, but Carter creates off the dribble for a forward I think he just gives them a skill set that they didn't have this past year. He's, he's very skilled. He's yeah. passing, dribble, he can he can shoot. So I think that works really well with what they lacked. Um, for both of you, 
I know we talked in the last podcast about UC maybe looking to get a grad transfer. I'm assuming Xavier probably still in the market. Yeah, I think they're still looking for either a grad transfer or an incoming freshman that can play immediately, and probably one more guy that'll be like a sit-out transfer if I had to guess. So how about, they're very how about for I think there will be some kind of transfer probably from whether it's grad or sit out. Not a grad. Not a grad transfer. <laughs> it can't be. It may be. It may be. It may be. Exactly right. It may be. All right, well, and, I, the, and I also there's no such thing as a sit out transfer. It's gone. It's gone. Every kid is going to apply for a waiver. Every kid. I will say that they've they've done a really good job in football of getting around it. There's no question about it. Well, all that in football, and I, I can't imagine this becoming any different in, in basketball. No, I, I know. All it takes to get a waiver in football now, basically, is for the other school to sign the school that the the original school to sign off to sign off. And if the school signs off, then the kid's free to go. Well, then sometimes and, you like the sit out though because the sit out gives you roster balance. Yeah, but the problem is. The, the old school, almost no one's going to be able to do that because it's going to look so bad for your future future recruiting prospects that it's going to be just like letting guys out of their letter of intent. Yeah. No one will hold them to it. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think it probably is done. Yep. Um, all right, maybe you talk the kid into sitting out like voluntarily, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but good luck with that. Yeah, what whether saying. the new coach wants it or not is a different story, <laughs> but the old coach, probably not. For, for the good roster balance. All right, lastly, um, this actually came up right as we got done with our podcast last Sunday. Uh, an NKU women's player had written a story online um, alleging abuse of, of women's coach Cameron Whitaker. Uh, Rick and I talked about it on Wednesday. Some more stuff had come out. A couple more players had come out. We finally, here at Local 12, got around to the story on Thursday and um, uh, ended up talking to the three players on camera. Um, I thought they were earnest. I, I think they, they – I don't think this was them trying to set up a coach. I think this is the way they, they believed. Since that interview and since all the, that's come out now, uh, the remaining eight players on the team wrote a letter all signed by them supporting Cameron Whitaker. So we are really in the he said, she said stage. I guess th- the resolution is you have to trust the university did investigate this and that they came to the conclusion that we're not making any changes because no changes need to be made. Yeah, I think the end result of all of this um – Cameron Whitaker is not a good coach at this point in her career. So if you're NKU, it doesn't have to be about abusing or not. It has to be you've got a locker room that was clearly fractured while you were winning no games, essentially. So what are what are we doing here with Cameron Whitaker? Now, I'm not saying she look, look if you're if you had multiple girls in your team that felt like you were abusive towards them. I'm not saying you were doing anything outside the lines or anything that you should be arrested for or you should be looked at as a bad person, but it probably means you weren't a great coach. They didn't have a lot of faith in. And that probably is on you to a certain extent. Now, it's great that there's eight girls who really want to play next year, and so they'll speak up for you. I, I Again, I don't think she was abusing anyone. I think it's not the same as the Izzo thing, but sort of similar in the sense that like, I don't think it's it's against the law what she did, but those other those kids have options. They can leave. They can transfer. They can do whatever they want to do. So she can keep doing that. That's fine. NKU just now needs to decide: is it worth it? Well, that, 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 that's the overriding point. If she was sixty-two and twenty-nine as opposed to twenty-nine and sixty-two, and I think I've got that record right. If not, I'm in the. It ball ain't ball. good. I know that. It's not good. Won many How games. we looking? The, 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 not the, good. Well, yeah. If you were sixty-two and twenty-nine, though, you'd just say, "Hey, that's the way I coach. You don't want to be a part of the program. Go." Yeah. No one would say anything about it. Yes. That's the thing. You're yeah. to this point because you lost a bunch of games. So. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't. I, I guess the resolution for NKU right now is they're they're good. Well, simply figure out what you want to do with Cameron Whitaker from a basketball standpoint, because clearly she hasn't been winning, and clearly the locker room isn't in a good situation. So I don't think you need to fire her because she was abusive. I just think you need to think of is she a good coach if this right. is what's going on in the locker room. Right. Well, maybe she gets one more year to prove that. We'll see. We will see. All right, boys. Any any final take for you, Chad Brendel? Rest in peace, Nipsey Hussle. R.I.P. That's a bummer. That is a bummer. Yeah. How old? I don't know how old. Got it old enough. Got to be yeah. in the 90s. Nipsey Hustle, <laughs> you old Jesus. Set him up for that one. Hustle is my last name. Is that you? Yep. Uh, you got final take, Rick Boring? No. Nothing? <laughs> no. Simple enough. That's all good. We're all good then. I, mean, I think we packed a lot of... Uh, we did. This one almost an hour, and I was thinking Including like... Including the Verona Vineyard, right? Verona Vineyard is very yeah. good. Shout out. Free ads for you, Verona Vineyard. Invite us down. Give us a gift card. I, I'll see what I can do. I, th- you'll like this story. I, I think you know my aunt and uncle. Yes, I met them. Yes. Yeah. So um, they 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 hit us up every Friday and let us know. Like my my aunt kind of runs the family. They hit us up and let us know where we're going for Friday fish Free fries. Fry, yes. Through through Lent. Mary Queen of Heaven. So they told us this is where we're going, and um, they were running a little bit late. So I called her and I said, "Well, we we might get down there a few minutes early. Um, would you like us to get a table?" 
And she said, yeah, tell them table for eight. Just tell them. And she's their names. They're regulars. And I was like, oh, it's like that. She's like, oh, yeah, I've got my own crate of wine downstairs that... That's, that's part of the vineyard. That's though. part of yeah. She's got a crate of wine. She walks in. She tells them which one she wants in the crate. They go down. She actually bottled it, and then like designed the bottle. See, I think if you'd have beat her to it, I would have called on one of those wines and had the wine before she even got there. <laughs> I don't. Right? I don't drink wine, so uh, that's a problem. The, the wife does. So her and the wife had a couple bottles of wine, and very nice. I drove home. There you go. It was, the food was awesome for him to drive home. That's a big. That's a big story. That's a huge story. Not no, we, he's not a public drinker. I'm not. Prefer to, I prefer to drink at home him, and watch TV. I've never seen him drink in public. At all? I mean, maybe like a beer at dinner when we were on the road a couple wow, times, okay. but that's yeah. about it. Okay. Very professional of you, Chad. I, I had a bourbon. Boone County. Yeah. They've, Boone they, County bourbon? Yeah, they've got, they, they, it's the Boone County brand. Tanner's Creek. Skinny. You and I, on the other hand, public drinkers. Public drinkers. <laughs> public drinkers. So when we go out, generally Kelly drinks and I drive. All right. Next time we go out, I'll have you drive for me. How about that? <laughs> Verona Vineyards. Verona Vineyards. There we go. Here we come. All right. For Rick Broy and Musketeer Report, make sure you check out all his work. Chad Brendel from Bearcat Journal. Check out all their work as well. I'm Richard Skinner. It's been the Skinny Podcast presented by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati. See you, Tubby Calipari. <laughs>